0: Early on, I went from, again, kind of co-running the business to leading the sales team, and then within about a six to seven months, I was just over large accounts. That's it. My dad, my mentor, my longtime business partner, he got kicked to the curb, and I'm just thinking, you know, what was me, what the heck's going on?
1: I'm Patrick Pacheco, and you're listening to season three of In Good Companies from Cadence Bank, the podcast where we have your best interest at heart, because at Cadence, we're much more than a provider of financial services. We're a lifetime advocate driven by your success. Whether you're selling a business or buying into one, it's a big deal. These transactions can change your life. And when the stakes get high, so do emotions. In previous seasons, we've discussed the technical aspects of the M&A process, but today we want to dive into the human element. What is it like to sell your business? How do you navigate the uncertainty and change? What can you do to build trust? In short, how do you deal with the deal? Our guests today can help answer that. George and Josh Robertson have experienced the whole spectrum of M&A transactions. They've seen it all. You guys have been the Harvard case study. I mean, you've had buy side, sell side, you had financial partners, you've been a strategic partner, been a pretty interesting ride for you guys.
2: My name is George Robertson, and um, currently I'm the managing uh, partner with Groco Capital.
0: And Joshua Robertson, I'm president and CEO of Mosfita Healthcare Solutions, and also work with George at Groco as a managing partner.
1: I noticed that the last name was the same, Robertson. So that's not just a coincidence, is it? It's not. So at work, do you call him Dad, or do you call him George, or do you call him Mr. Robertson, or does it depend on what kind of trouble you're in?
0: You know, if it's just him and I, it's Dad, but when someone's in the room, it's usually I will address him as George.
1: George has a background in healthcare and ran several healthcare companies while Josh was growing up.
2: So, you know, I started off my career just in high school and as a clinician working as a respiratory therapist and really enjoyed that. I have always been involved with home health care, you know, since I was early age in my teenage years. And so my wife was a nurse and we met working in the hospital. So I've always been in and around the healthcare care business.
1: Some kids can't wait to strike out on their own. But more than anything, Josh wanted to be part of a family business. So, Josh, uh, did you ever think you'd be working with your dad?
0: You know, I, I always wanted to. I've got three little boys myself that range from six years old to 11. And I was, I was in between their age and I remember getting dressed up and coming up to the office. And that was back in the you know, 90s when a lot of people still wore suits and ties. And so I always kind of thought I would be part of a, a family business and always dreamed and thought it would happen then for a few years through a season of life, that wasn't going to be a dream that was going to be achieved.
1: When Josh was a teenager, a change in health care law turned Georgia's business on its head.
2: I'd been in business, had many businesses for years, and to come to an end like they did abruptly and, you know, close things down. And literally, I had to take a job that I had not ever wanted to do again. And so I went to work basically took a consulting role at that time and was gonna give him three months and ended up staying eight years.
1: Not long after tragedy struck. That same year,
0: my older brother had passed away as well. And so between the death of my older brother, some healthcare laws changing, and the way that they paid home healthcare companies, you know, just the family dynamics changed. And, And it became difficult at times but, you know, through the grace of God and, and through family, we persevered. And again, through that time when I was in high school, really got to see, man, mom and dad worked their, their tails off to overcome not only a horrible loss of my brother, but also of a loss of a business as well.
1: The dream of the family business seemed long gone, but Josh wasn't ready to let it go. He studied business at Texas Tech, and in his senior year, he saw an opportunity.
0: And one of my last classes was a class called Managing a Family Entrepreneurial Business. And in that class, the, the big project was to write a business plan. And so I called dad that day. Uh, it was windy, probably blowing 100 miles an hour in West Texas. And I said, Dad, this is a sign from God that we're supposed to start a business together. And I said, so I'm going to start working
2: on a a business plan, and I need your help. Well, the the thing is, when he first called me, I didn't know. I told him I needed to pray to God, too, and see if he truly did hear from God.
1: (laughs) George had reasons to be hesitant. After all, he'd been forced to close his own business only several years before. But there was something else stopping him.
2: I went to work for a big national company. It was a hospice company, and I had done some really great things for this company, and really they were taking care of me. The corporate office was in Miami. They didn't bother me and sent me a paycheck and kind of gave me some golden handcuffs because I insourced their medical equipment for them, which was saving them seven figures you know, every year. And so yeah, they took care of me. The owner sent me out on his yacht to the Bahamas and so it was a pretty, pretty cushy job and I enjoyed it.
1: So dad's breaking it in and having fun in Miami. You're going, wait a second, what about me? That's right. Yeah, I was
0: <laughs> that's when I was out in West Texas in Lubbock and waiting tables and going to college and thinking, man, what the heck am I gonna do with myself?
1: But eventually George came around.
2: Because You know, what I was doing at the time was something that had not been done in the healthcare industry, and that was a niche where companies would provide medical equipment specifically for hospices, and that's what I was doing for VITAS. But there were so many other companies in the country that needed this, so it was pretty easy to kind of walk through and with Josh and say, look, if you can take what I'm doing for this one company and we can put it in a plan and expand that and offer it to companies around the country, you've got a niche business.
0: With all the students in the class, they were writing kind of fake business plans just to get a grade. But for me, this was the path that, that I wanted to take. And so took it very seriously, actually incorporated National HME in March of 06. And shortly after that, dad came into Lubbock and we presented together Five days later, we uh, I graduated and moved home, and we started the process of getting National HME on its way to,
1: to start growing. At first, Josh wasn't sure he'd made the right decision.
0: You know, and it was me, a truck, and a warehouse starting out. And so... Those first couple years were were tough. I, you know, lived at home, and, and that was right. If you remember, you know, being in Texas, 2006, especially in DFW, was the mark of the gas market. It went really high, and so I had a ton of friends that were uh, landmen. You know, that were working about 30 hours a week and making 150 grand a year. And I thought, man, these guys are doing it right, because I was working about 80 hours a week and living at home and not paying myself, but about 19,000 bucks a year. So <laughs> um, so it certainly wasn't glamorous at first.
1: But after a couple of years of hard work, things were looking up.
0: I think it was around 2008 when I knew we had something special. We were getting some momentum and people were starting to call us to hey, can you help us consolidate our medical equipment for our hospice company? And so that's when it really started to take off.
1: National HME was growing fast. They'd expanded throughout Dallas and Fort Worth. But to get any bigger, they'd need more capital.
0: If you outpace your growth and outpace your, your ability to, to get credit from the bank, there's always an, a point when you outgrow your capital structure. Starting in 2009, we knew that we were going to need some additional investors outside of our small group of of people that we had had investors some angel investors that was the time where it was kind of that fundamental shift where we either stay a Texas based company and run it you know with just us or we bring in a partner and take this what we've built in Texas and take it across the country as a family we decided hey let's let's grow this thing the 250,000 hospice patients around the country deserve better service, they deserve high quality of care, and that's what we did. And so, starting in
1: 2010, we were off to the races. The Robertsons were looking to bring on a strategic partner, but they wouldn't settle for just anyone.
2: I've been in and out in relationships with business and financial partners a lot. And looking back through my career, I mean, it comes down to personality and values. I mean, you can get money at a lot of places, but there's just a lot of people you don't want to be in business with. If you're in healthcare for the right reason, you care about the well being of your clients. And you know, there's a lot of private equity that, you know, they're in it to make money. I just think it's very important to Josh and I. We have business financial partners that that we're on the same page from a value standpoint.
0: And that's when we started you know, making some calls and got introduced to a group out of Atlanta, Georgia, that was a healthcare-focused private equity firm called EDG Capital. And, you know, we actually got to know them for almost a year. It was about eight to nine months where we had multiple conversations. They started doing their diligence. But during that time, we really got to know them
1: well. So what do you think was appealing to them about, about your business other than they saw a potential sale. I mean, is there something about you guys or something about what you were doing? Did, did, did you feel like they had a, a, a true interest in, in what you guys were trying to accomplish?
0: We certainly aligned from a value perspective. And I think that they saw not only a, a fast growing business that was profitable, that had a lot of potential, but we were doing business the right way. We were growing organically. There was a, a very fast growth plan that we could take without acquisition or, or M&A. And so we could grow steadily and grow fairly fast without a lot of additional investment. So with the alignment of core values, plus the kind of the business plan, that's where they kind of fell in love with the business and with George and I.
1: Whether you're selling partial ownership or the whole business, a deal of this magnitude is always stressful. You're going to feel a lot of feelings, but those emotions can be the biggest barrier to your
2: success. You know, the thing when you get to a point when you decide to put your company on the market, it always turns out to be a lot more intense than you think. And the closer you get to closing, the more intense it gets. And so I think Josh and I, we always continue to learn, even at my age, when you do business, you have to be careful with your emotions. When you're
0: you know, on the sell side, you certainly have a lot of emotions because your business that you've poured so much into, people are looking at it in a different way than you've ever even looked at your own company. And it's their job to try to peel back all every layer of onion that they can to make sure, hey, is this the company that they've presented? And so they're
1: rolling over every rock so that they can get comfortable with it. Emotions can cloud your judgment of what your business is worth.
0: You know, a friend recently, I went and had coffee with him and he was saying, man, I really wanted, you know, with my my stepdad, we were going to buy this RV park out in West Texas. And Josh, we started talking to the folks and it's out in the middle of nowhere. But man, they have, they're 60% occupied always and they have long-term renters and it's right off the highway. And so we're kind of walking through the financial piece of it. And the longtime owners, you know, they wanted, like, you know, it was a really big number, several million dollars. And I said, you know, how are they justifying that? Well, they worked there for 25 years. They think that's what it's worth. (laughs) And and so when they pushed back, that family actually said no immediately. Well, six months later, they start the conversation again. And so now they're back reengaged because I think reality started to sink in. And they started to think, hey, I really do want to go spend more time with my grandkids and maybe our expectations aren't real.
1: Emotions also make it difficult to manage the change that inevitably comes with
2: partnership. Bringing in private equity, it does change things. And so I knew that the plan would be that over time, you know, a period of time, one to two years, that I would slowly work out as CEO and they would bring in what private equity refers to as a professional CEO. And the plan was, is that I was going to be the executive chairman, you know, cheerleader going out, seeing the people and keeping everybody's spirits up. And I found out really quick what executive chairman means. It's uh, go home, shut up. We'll send you a check.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And Josh, how about you? What kind of, what kind of changes did you have both, you know, emotional and just as to your role?
0: You know, I've reflected a lot about that time because, I mean, when you're growing so fast, I mean, we went from DFW to the state of Texas and then to multiple states, you know, between 2006 to 2011. And so we were growing 300 plus percent year over year. I mean, it was, we were on a wild ride, you know, deep down. I said, well, why am I not even being considered for this job, for this position? And now, call it seven years later and a lot of gray hair later, I can say, man, I was not ready. And that is one of those things that some entrepreneurs, they get in their own way. And it's hard because you work your your tail off. You give up so much to make a business work and the sacrifices that you make and so those emotions run really high. Early on, I went from again kind of co-running the business to leading the sales team and then within about a 6 to 7 months I was just over large accounts. That's it. And he said, "Josh, I don't want you focused on anything else except that." My dad, my mentor, my longtime business partner, he got kicked to the curb and I'm just thinking, you know, what
1: was me? What the heck's going on? Josh has a souvenir from that time that reminds him of the lessons he learned.
0: And I keep it here on my desk always. To the listeners, it's a golden nugget. And my partner at EDG Capital, he was the chairman of our board. He actually flew down just for a, an hour long meeting with me. We didn't go to lunch, we didn't do, have a drink. It was literally came to the office and I thought, I'm about to get fired. And so he just said, hey, you just had your first kid and Josh, if you work hard and you stay focused on your core values of doing the right thing and, and working hard, Josh, you have the most to gain. If Bill ask you to mop the floors, mop the floors with a smile on your face, be a good leader, and just do it with a good attitude and And so he challenged me to check my heart, check where I'm at, and do well and focus on that. So he gave me this golden nugget to put on my desk and So when I kind of get disjointed, I take a look at that to say, hey, stay focused. That was a pretty special moment. So, you know, shortly after that, I took that new position and did my very best. And I outsold everybody in the whole company for the next couple of years.
1: Right there is that little microcosm of what it is to have a financial partners. really important for people to realize as they go into that, you know, have their eyes open. I think that's some great examples. Life
0: is full of financial decisions. We've got the products, services, and people to help make them easier. Stop by a branch or visit us online at CadenceBank.com to find out why
1: Cadence is the bank for you. Cadence Bank, member FDIC. If you're selling a business, you're not the only one who will have strong emotions. Your employees will, too. So it's important to have a vision, as well as a strategy to communicate that vision.
0: When people hear of change, fear is always associated with change. I actually do a monthly fireside chat with all of our teammates across the state. And that following Monday, we had our fireside chat scheduled and I didn't change the schedule. And I actually had the main partners on that call with us. And what it does is it's it's just reassuring them of, hey, we've set a path, you know, we want to be doing this thing for the next, you know, hopefully many decades, and we're building something really, really special here. And we've just started, and we needed some outside help to get it there. Those are some of my favorite stories. Our teammates are in the service business, especially, your employees are so vital to providing excellent outcomes. And if they know that they're loved and cared for respected and that there's also opportunity i feel like you really can't go wrong as an employer
1: several years after they brought in private equity george and josh exited national hme for good saying goodbye to the company you built can be bittersweet
0: you know i think from an entrepreneurship perspective you build something and you want it to grow and you want it to be successful and you want all these things but i think We did exactly what we set out to do, and that was to change an industry and to provide patients at end of life with better care, higher quality medical equipment, and to do it economically. And so I think we achieved our objectives
2: of the why behind what we got started. The company, since we have left and sold, is still around. It's still growing. It still has a national presence. And they're still taking care of patients. Some of the values and the cultures that we put in place in 06 and establishing the industry like it is today, they're still still going. And so when I see a truck driving down the highway, if I'm in Pennsylvania, if I'm in California, and I see a National HME truck, I can say, wow, we started that on the west side of Fort Worth with an old plumbing truck.
1: But a sale can also be exciting, a chance to close one chapter and begin another. What a transaction
0: does is it obviously gives you the liquidity that you've worked really hard for and we were able to reward a lot of folks on the management team and we were able to have a nice return and our private equity partners were able to achieve a really nice return on their investment as well which if you think about that they also had their limited partners who invested in them and trusted them with over 10 million dollars to invest in us, we were able to provide them a strong return on their money as well. Prior to the exit, George and I and my wife, Christina, we started a nonprofit called Project 4031. And Project 4031 still exists today. It's a 501c3. We serve terminally ill children and adults with basic needs and dreams. And so we were able to give kind of the beginning gifts and still support the organization today.
1: So it does not sound like you ever went into this with that being the end goal was to, to make the money. The goal is to transform an industry and provide a service. That's right. And that's, that probably has a lot to do with why you're successful. I think when you go with a goal to, we're going to build a company and sell it, you're never going to build a company that's got the passion, and the strength behind it.
0: A hundred percent, Patrick. That is from a DNA, I don't care what you do. Whatever you do, you have to have a deeper, the value has to be there. Mr. Stan, when I was a 22-year-old punk kid, he could see that I was a little discouraged, probably when I got my first few no's from a hospice customer. He gave me the core value that still stands with even MOSVITA today is do the right thing always. And then he always would add and work hard. I think if you take any business, if you do it right, and you stay focused on the why of why you're doing it, I think that's what can really drive really good outcomes.
1: Just not that complicated, is it? But it, it really is incredibly complicated, That be not that complicated. That's right. With their proceeds from the sale, the Robertsons founded their own investment firm, Groco Capital. And several years later, they were on the opposite side of the table. In 2018,
0: it it gave us the opportunity to buy a 21-year-old business called JMeds, which provides medical equipment to nursing homes. An old friend, Jerry Williams, who we'd done a lot of business with actually at National HME, reached out to George that his founding business partner had passed away a few months before that in 2017. And he was looking for some help. And so George actually went and met with Jerry and started kind of doing some consulting and said, man, this is a really great business. And so Jerry actually said, well, hey, would y'all want to be my business partners? And so within a matter of weeks, it felt like we started doing diligence and really looking at the details of a 21-year-old company.
1: Their experience on the sell side now informs the work on the buy side. It helps George diagnose problems.
2: Entrepreneurs, business people do this all the time. They get caught in a rut. They start doing things routinely. They don't have a vision or a plan. And as we started really digging through the books here, both the partners had been together for 20 years, but they had different philosophies. They had different thoughts, different ideas. They never really meshed. And one was on the sales side and one was on the operations side. So there was just a lack of communication. And I think That's where a lot of businesses get in trouble because they've got their leadership going different directions. And so that's what every business I've ever looked at and have acquired, I see that as a problem. It's just leadership not on the same page.
1: And it's helped Josh communicate his vision, both to the seller.
0: You know, at the end of the day, when you're buying a business, you're trying to sell yourself as well as a buyer, as, hey, this is why I want to buy your business. And he loved the vision that we had.
1: And to their employees.
0: I think the messaging there was, we love healthcare, Kind of explaining who we are and where we wanted to take the business. And so it was a vision casting from day one. And so our, our word is our bond. And so if we say we're going to do something, we need to execute on it and do it well. And so Establishing those core values, living out those core values, doing business the right way, and holding people accountable, including ourselves, of how we are operating with excellence every single day. And I think once they saw that, you know, these aren't bad guys, these aren't bad people that are going to ruin the business, man, they're making it better.
1: Thanks to the golden nugget, Josh knows how to approach a transaction with a level head.
0: You have to manage expectation, but then you have to manage your emotions because, it, again, if, if you let them get in the way, you could mess up a, a really great deal and it not even really be worth a whole lot at the end.
1: As Josh has learned, managing your emotions is different than ignoring them. When you challenge your passions towards a goal, it can be a powerful motivator.
0: Never stop dreaming. I think dreams are, are great and passion is great. And so you've got to keep executing on that dream and stay laser focused on, on the execution of the strategy, of how you get there. And when you do that, you always have at the nucleus of what you're doing, you have it at your core, always. That's always what you do. I just don't think you can go wrong. No matter what, you still have to have a vision. And so, you know, you've got to begin with the end in mind and everybody's end is different, but if you begin with the end in mind, you can do some pretty powerful things, for
1: sure. All of that knowledge and experience helped Groco in their acquisition of JMEDS. They completed an asset purchase of the business in June 2018, and they got right down to work.
0: And so George and I had approximately a little over 90% of the company at that time, and you know, really just started professionalizing the business. That's what it needed. The business, again, serving the industry for 21 years. They had a, a great reputation. You know, yeah, they were old school, but man, they did service well. So that's where we basically took the foundation that JMeds had laid for 21 years and we just renovated it, professionalizing the way it looked and the way it felt, defining core values for the teammates, casting a long-term vision of who we are and who we wanted to be, you know, over the next five years and, and over the next 10 years. During that time, we were able to grow, again, pretty fast. And so over the last five years, we have taken the business to now we have 10
1: locations. You know, we've tripled it in size. Josh is now president and CEO of JMeds, which has since been rebranded to Mosvita Vita Health. And soon they're merging three of their sister companies under the Mosvita umbrella. For that, Josh will need to use what he's learned, because going forward, George is taking a back seat. George was tired.
0: He was a little worn out, as was I. Again, I, I was not always as gray, and I, you can see it in my beard. Took a lot out of us. And so he came to me in May of 21, I believe, and said, Josh, I want to start slowing down for real this time. And I think it was 30 days later, he uh, said, hey, I'm, I'm done. I'm handing the keys over to you.
1: He <laughs> <laughs> hit the brakes. He didn't slow down. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like a
0: year, one-year deal. And he just, he snapped his fingers. And I'm going to just call him semi-retired because he's never going to
2: fully retire. But thankfully, George is still around to give Sage advice. You know, the only advice I'd give, I know this probably sounds uh, silly, but the best hire I ever made was when I hired my attorney and he's still with Josh today. So
1: I'm an attorney by profession. And so I always love a shout out to the attorneys. You know know how many attorneys it takes to change a light bulb?
2: Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: How many can you afford? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Whether it's a merger, a strategic business relationship or an exit, emotions will run high. It's important to keep those emotions in check because they can cloud your judgment on valuation or make you lose sight of your shared goals. Find your own golden nugget to keep yourself on track. You'll have to navigate change, both with yourself and your employees, so you'll need a vision that can serve as your North Star. When things get overwhelming, focus your emotions on that vision. It can inspire you to drive towards your end goal. At one point, Josh thought his chance of having a family business was lost, but his passion drove him and now he and George have almost two decades of success.
0: You know, it, it really has been just a, a dream come true, idolizing my dad. I think it's good to have a, a great hero in your life, and,
1: and he certainly has been one. And George, what about the vice versa? What's it like working with your son?
2: Oh, man, I tell you, it's been great. There's not many men that enjoy the blessing and the opportunity to work alongside their son for as long as we have
0: why we've worked so well together is we complement each other really well. And I would say over the last 17 years, I'm getting more and more like him.
1: So, well, you you picked a good person to start getting more and more like, so. uh. That's right. Thank you to George and Josh Robertson, a great dad, a great son, and great business partners. If you enjoyed the show, we'd appreciate it if you'd write a review in your podcast app. Or if you're short on time, You can just rate us five stars. It only takes a second. And while you're there, subscribe. We'd love to have you. Because when you're with us, we're In Good Companies. In Good Companies is a podcast from Cadence Bank, member FDIC, equal opportunity lender. Sheena Cochran is our production coordinator. Our executive producer is Daniel Cornell. With writing and production from Andrew Gannam and sound design and mixing by Ben Cranlett, Lower Street Media. I'm your host, Patrick Pacheco. This podcast is provided as a free service to you and is for general informational purposes only. Cadence Bank makes no representations or warranties as to the accuracy, completeness, or timeliness of the content in the podcast. The podcast is not intended to provide legal, accounting, or tax advice and should not be relied upon for such purposes. To the extent that this podcast includes predictions about the economy, these predictions are subject to a number of variables and you should confer with your legal, accounting, and tax advisors
2: for their input regarding the possible outcomes of any economic subject matter discussed herein.